I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic Magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Gentlemen, two weekends with Waz on the Ringer NBA podcast. I'm your host. Obviously, I'm Big Waz. <laughs> Joined today by my partner, man, Nate Duncan of the Dunked On podcast of Hollinger and Duncan of one of the greatest food bloggers in the history of food blogs. What's going on, Nate? Hey, good to be on. Yeah, you kind of got that. That late night radio DJ post cadence <laughs> down on the intro. Hey, this isn't my first radio. Just know that. Uh, Nate, man, I'm excited to talk to you today because for my money, as far as people who talk about our league, man, um, when it comes to interesting, well thought out, never hot takey, always going to make you think about something and not conventional wisdom, BS, like to me, what you and Danny do on Dunked On, of course, what you're doing with Hollinger, it's my favorite shit to listen to in the league, man. So I'm really excited to talk to you today, bro. Yeah, thank you. Great. Let's get to it here. All right. So we're going to get into some Warriors stuff because you are a Bay Area native and I feel like you're a Warriors expert. (laughs) But first, I want to talk to you about something else that's Obviously, on the minds of a lot of NBA fans, and from the summer, this has been the case, and it's the Ben Simmons situation in Philadelphia. What I wanted to ask you about is, like, take away all of the crap (laughs) that's happened, that's been said, that's gone on with the Sixers and Ben Simmons. I want to know your 
true opinion about Ben Simmons, the player, what he brings to the what he, what he brings to the table as an actual commodity and his contract and like, what do you think of Ben Simmons as a guy? Because I know I'm low on Ben Simmons. I've been low on him for like three years, um, but I want to know how you feel about Simmons. Yeah, well, you said that I don't do hot takes, but I've been calling <laughs> Ben Simmons one of the most overrated players in the NBA since probably 2018, 19, I would say, mm. when it started to become clear that his game was not evolving at all. Mm. And I felt like even back in the summer of 2019 that he was just so hard to fit around it. Joel said it, I think it was in training camp this year, that they essentially chose Simmons over Butler. There's an understanding that those guys didn't fit that well together. They thought that Ben Simmons, yeah, he was hanging out in the dunker spot the whole Toronto series, didn't do anything. <laughs> but, no, he's going to develop into our ball handler. He and Butler both don't shoot, so those guys can't play together. So we're going to move on from Jimmy Butler. Tobias Harris is the better fit. We're going to spend on Tobias Harris. And I felt at that point, and I think I said this at the time, that they should explore trading Simmons, particularly because he made the all-star team, I think, two years in a row at that point. And I was extremely worried that he wasn't develop, going to develop. He was a hard fit with Embiid. He's a hard fit basically with anyone, and I'm sure we'll talk about in the trade process. And so it was better to potentially move him and then move forward with Butler and Embiid. They could have re-signed J.J. Redick at that point, too. <laughs> uh, and to also, you know, for on a short-term deal, of course, and to then just have that be the team. And then whatever you got for Ben Simmons, you could add that supplement around those two guys because Butler and Bede were a pretty good fit. Great. So that, that was my thought at the time. And then I also, I think, I think people have a pretty accurate understanding now, at least, of what Ben Simmons is offensively. But I also think his defense is overrated just because <laughs> there's only so much that one perimeter defender can, can do for do. you. And to talk about him as a defensive player of the year candidate, the fact he was second in defensive player of the year last year, that's Bullshit. He, he's one of the best perimeter defenders. That's valuable, but it's not game-changing for your average defense. You know, and because I want to get into the nitty-gritty of Simmons's limitations. Obviously, people talk about the shooting, and that's obvious, but why is what he why is his game? so limiting when it comes to scaling it up for playoff offensive. Like if this guy's going to be playing 40 minutes a game as he's being paid, like he should be doing that on this type of team. It's like, all right, you're our second best player in a playoff series. We always play our best guys, basically 40 minutes and up a game. Why is Simmons not ideal as your second highest player in the pressure cooker that ends up being the playoffs and against half-court defenses, the best half-court defenses in the playoffs? Yeah, well, because he can't do anything. I, I mean, I, like, he literally didn't do anything in that Hawks series on the offensive end. Uh, the, what else do you need to, other than that, right? And the three second-round series that he's played, he's been completely stymied in all of those. Two of those, he wasn't even trying to do anything with the ball. He can push it in transition. That's basically all that he gives, and maybe a little offensive rebounding. That's all that he's giving you on the offensive end in the playoffs against a good team. And so that's, I mean, you just, he doesn't have the ball, so he can't score one-on-one -on -one in pick and roll. They got hmm. to the point where they weren't even trying to like post him up against smaller players. 
because and you probably don't want to guard him with a smaller player anyway because you can just guard him with someone who's going to hang out around the rim and mess things up for everyone else. So yep. yeah, I mean he just he doesn't have the skills to have the ball. And then there's also the free throw shooting, which is another issue. Some of the mental issue. We're <laughs> we're not even getting into the mental aspect of it here. <laughs> right. We're just talking about the skill set. <laughs> right. And so that exacerbates all these problems. Yeah, and and you know, we don't we don't want to get into Ben Simmons' psyche. Uh, like I, I can't pretend to know what this man thinks about what, but we can we can watch a game and know that a guy is not trying to get fouled. And know that a guy, when he does get up there, what no matter, and I know <laughs> I know my boss Bill Simmons gets a bad rap on the internet for being body language police. But, like, you can look at a guy and say he doesn't want to shoot. And then you can just look at his percentage and be like, well, I can see why. So all of those things that you mentioned about his approach to offense is not ideal as a perimeter wing. The results speak for themselves. What is Ben Simmons' value? Like, to me, I see it as he kind of reminds me of Andrew Wiggins in a way. In a sense that he's a young guy, he got paid based off of the idea of the potential that he could be. Glenn, Glenn Taylor famously said, I talked to Andrew Wiggins, he promised me he would get better. <laughs> and I feel like this it's the same thing with Ben Simmons. Like, he got a max deal, and it feels like he's not worth that money, neither is Tobias Harris, which is a whole other thing. So, what's his value to you in your mind? Nate on the trade market. Well, I will say it's a little different than Wiggins because he is making all-star teams and making all NBA mm. teams, yeah. which again, I was a little skeptical on I, I, him being a lower end all-star in the East. I was maybe okay with as a, for his regular season value. Maybe that's sure. where he kind of falls in there, but, but yeah, so I mean, he in theory had done more already by the time he yeah. got that extension. Then he remember he got more than, that 25% max because he he qualified by making an all yep. NBA team to get up to 30. So that's why he's making even more than what the normal max salary would be. But to me, I've been saying for a while that his contract is a negative contract. Now, hmm. it's worth noting that he still is a good player. And yeah. so getting a good player, even if they're overpaid, sometimes that's really good for team. And, and he is under contract for longer. So that's helpful for teams as well. So I, I could understand how some teams might say, hey, we'd still like to acquire this guy or even that they just disagree with me on whether he's overpaid for the production that he has. And certainly if you want to say, yeah, if he if he truly is an all-star and he truly is an all-NBA player, then yeah, no, he's, he's not overpaid. But again, I think he's just been overrated by a, a lot of other people for a long time. So to me, and Sam Amick had this reporting last week that there are teams that are like, eh, I don't know if this is, <laughs> really, this is a, a huge benefit to have him for three more years after this one at the amount of money he's being paid. And then you also throw in, hey, what if he has these mental issues in another place, right? And not necessarily <laughs> mental issues in the sense that he just wasn't a, doesn't want to play. because I He doesn't like best being I there. Can, yeah, best I can tell, he just doesn't want to have to play in Philly again. And maybe that's the organization. Maybe it's not facing the fans whatever, but it's been made clear. It sounds like through all the reporting that he will have immediately no mental issues as soon as he gets traded, which I, I find, which I find really annoying by the way, like it's fucked up. 
Like, cause this is, mental health shit is real. Like it's yeah. not, there are a lot of people who really struggle with this and, and it makes sense that you'd struggle with this as, as an NBA player. It's not an if easy you job. are actually going through that. Yeah. He's making and, a mockery. And I'm sure he doesn't the, the want concept. to, he doesn't want to come back to Philly and get booed and he doesn't want to have to face Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers again. And he is pissed off that they tried to trade him. And I think that the organization, I understand his feeling there, but then they played this strategy so wrong to try to get him paid. And now that they finally fell back on this mental health thing, I think that's just, I, I, I mean, again, you what you alluded to, you don't want to say exactly what's going on in someone's head, but I think with the reporting that, Oh yeah, he's going to have no problems playing somewhere else. That to me, there's a lot of person who cried wolf here and yep. I'm just not, it takes away from the people who really are struggling with this type of stuff. He, he has mental issues, but the idea that it's like, you know, he's along the lines of someone like Kevin Love or, you know, even someone like DeMar DeRozan. Right. Just does, and, and of course, you know, he's not, it's not like he's been forward with anyone about, about this or that he, no, he hasn't been adhering No, they just throw it out to, there as a way to keep getting yeah. game checks. He, he's, and he's clearly, he's not legitimately attempting to work through it so he can return to the field. Mm. That's obvious. So I do want to talk about just the process of it all. No pun intended. I feel like there's been an extreme amount of hubris on both sides of this thing, whether it be yes. Ben and Ben. <laughs> That's and, what makes it so hilarious in some ways. Yes, whether it be Ben and Rich Paul and over there on that camp and Daryl in the front office where I'm just like, you know, I always make this joke, but it's about like Iman Shepard. I remember one time he demanded a trade from the, from the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's like, no rule. If you demand a trade, you got to be somebody that people want to trade for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can't demand a trade if nobody wants you. You know, same thing happened with Kev Love when he was tired of being with the baby Cavs. I'm like, Kev, like, you demanded a trade, but you're vastly overpaid. Nobody, Nobody's lining up to get you, so your trade demand is, like, weird. It's the same thing with Simmons. It's like, and I use Harden as a counterexample because he's the one that they tried to trade for. He's the one that they tried to move Ben for. And it's like, as soon as James Harden got on the market, teams were lining up. They were like, yeah, as soon as I bring this guy in my building, I know exactly what he's going to give me. I know why it's valuable. Get James Harden in here. So when he demands a trade, his team automatically can extract value from trading James Harden. It's obvious to all the suitors what the value is. That's not the case with you, Ben Simmons. A bunch of teams have to come up with like, all right, how does this fit? How does this make sense with my roster with a ball-dominant dude or a guy who needs to be ball-dominant, who can't score, can't shoot, all of that other stuff, whatever. But And, and, we, and we know about that. But I think with the, with the Sixers, and I want to get your opinion on this, Nate, to me, the reason why they needed to get off of him is because there was no way he could suit up for the Sixers and improve his value this season. There's just no way he was going to come back after all the shit with Doc, after the playoffs, after all of that, that he was going to suit up and be better than he was last regular season. So how could you think that bringing him back was going to work in your favor? Everybody understands that he's not going to look better. So we all know what the actual value is. So why are we doing this dance? And so they bring him back and Daryl comes out and says, I could do this for four years. And I'm just like... That's insane to me. And so I want to get your your thoughts on 
the process of moving Ben and why it's been so ridiculous. Yeah, well, I think it's because both well, a few a few things to want to respond to there in your preamble before we we hit that. Yeah. I mean, I think Ben to me, there are teams that are interested in yeah. him. They just aren't teams that have a superstar to send back that Daryl Morey is interested in. And yeah, you that's just not how trades work generally in the <laughs> NBA. You tra- you trade present value usually for future value. Ben Simmons is right now present value and again there's not even an understanding that any superstars have been available in trade since ben simmons demanded this trade i also got no problems with him demanding a trade because they tried to trade him right he's he wants to be somewhere else and i think maybe he does there is some idea that he just felt like he couldn't make mistakes or whatever you know whatever their explanation du jour was that he feels like he could reach his potential more somewhere else uh, and that Joel is, is kind of hurting his development, which I don't think is true because oh, Joel is probably more versatile than any other big man that, that you're going to have to Period. play with him. So I, I don't know about that, but I, I got no problems with him demanding the trade. There are teams that are interested in him. It's just then that for Daryl, and I'm not even sure, honestly, that Daryl has that inflated of an understanding of his value. It's more just that he, thinks this is his one bullet to fire and he doesn't want to pull the trigger yet. And he just want he want this is the one piece of salary he can match with to bring in a star that at least isn't overly negative. And mm. so and maybe he can get a little bit of something back there or he can throw in a bunch of stuff with Simmons to, to get another player because once he trades Simmons, it's really tough Reset. then. Yeah. Yeah, it's really tough then to turn that around, get the matching salary. Tobias Harris is not someone that teams can be interested in, even <laughs> at the level that they are. Talk about somebody who should be the biggest Ben Simmons fan in the history of the world. It should be Tobias Harris. People don't even talk about this guy, and he's making <laughs> damn near $40 million. Like, nobody cares. And he's making damn near $40 million on this team to be an important player. Like, and we bring up the salary, not because it's like, oh, you're over. It's like, no, like the way the salary cap works. The percentage of the cap that you're eating up, that means that's how important to this team's success you are. So it's not to say, oh, you're making too much money. It's like you're being paid as somebody who is vital to the success of this team. <laughs> you're not doing it, right? And so whatever, yeah. well, that's my Tobias just, Harris. He's just a tough fit too, right? I think honestly, mm-hmm. if he were, you mentioned Andrew Wiggins before, and, and I think the Wiggins all-star talk is ridiculous, but <laughs> at least Andrew Wiggins, now that he's defending in Golden State, you can fit around him. He's kind of a normal player, right? He does yeah. the things that you expect at either the small forward or the power forward position where he shoots threes, he defends, maybe can score a little bit against smaller mm-hmm. players, whereas Tobias Harris doesn't really shoot that much and, and he can get hot sometimes, but not that well. He can break into some mid-range scoring against <laughs> smaller players, and but mostly posting He can get up. hot from 18 feet, Nate. <laughs> yeah, uh, or... And then he doesn't really rebound or, or protect the basket or, you know, is not much yeah. of a help defender on the other end. So he's just he's another one of these guys when you do when you have and Simmons is like that, too. When you have a guy at a certain position who doesn't do the things that you expect out of that position. That are kind of requirements for that position, then it just messes up your whole team building elsewhere. Yeah. And so you you mentioned that this is Daryl. He feels like this is his only bullet. And so he's treating it this way. My problem is like, even if that's like that, that is the case. It's obvious that that's the case. You got to 
I'm sorry, you, this is a deuce deuce, bro. You don't got a 45 caliber bullet. This is a 22. This is a pea shooter, bro. Like you, you're not killing yeah. anybody with this so, bullet. So you gotta, you gotta wait until the the target gets closer, right? I mean, even if, <laughs> even if there's a possibility they'll never actually get within range, firing that bullet now when the guy's 300 yards away with a, a yeah. 22 is not gonna work. So hey, he might never get closer to you. But it would be useless to fire the bullet now. I think that's the analogy. So of all the deals that has felt like is out there for Simmons, obviously we've heard Grumlins and ATL. The Sacramento thing seems to be just looming constantly. Uh, doesn't look like... I don't want to... Look, I'm not Mr. Newsbreaker, whatever. Dame Lillard don't want to play for the Sixers. If he did, he would have forced his way over there already and we'd be done with this conversation. Dame don't yeah. want them. That's why that hasn't happened. So get the Dame shit out of you guys' minds. That's not going down. Um, so of the things that have been feasible, what do you think makes the most sense for the Sixers to do? I think if they could get Harrison Barnes and Fox from Sacramento, and it's going to be a fascinating tete-a-tete to determine whether De'Aaron Fox or Ben Simmons has more value I, w- I would still probably prefer to have Fox, Me frankly, too. even though I know he's having a down year. He at least will shoot the ball, even if it's yep. not going in this year. He, again, he's just a more conventional player who fits a little bit better. And then same thing with Barnes. Barnes can shoot the ball. He's, the, he just fits three, right four, into any kind of slot, system. He's, he's right there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so you know, now you still have kind of the problem of Harris to deal with. After that, potentially as well, you know, Barnes and Harris is not like an unbelievable combo, but at least you're just getting back two good players who fit normally. You can just build a normal fucking team. And then also, I think Fox is another like he's sort of he's still still sort of maintain that Simmons esque bullet to fire in a larger deal later. It just becomes a question of how much you have to give up to make that trade. I don't think Sacramento probably, and I think would rightfully say, hey, Barnes and Fox are worth more than Simmons. If you can get Sacramento to not agree on that, and remember uh, Daryl's protege, Monty McNair, is in Sacramento now, so I don't think that they're going to just, you know, they're not going to pull the wool over their eyes, Vlade Divac style in this (laughs) deal anymore. To for them to really overvalue Simmons. But I think that's probably the package I'd be looking for. Of all the players that have realistically been talked about in trade for Simmons, the idea that Fox could be available, I don't know that he is or isn't, but it's it's been mentioned enough that it makes you think it could happen. Yeah. That he's probably the guy who has the highest upside of anyone that's been talked about in trade for Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. 
But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. All right, so let's move on to the Warriors. Um, Obviously, they got, they're right up there at the top of the West. They came out like gangbusters, on the back of, to me, what is just a revelatory defense. I didn't know they were going to guard yeah. people this way this Not year. Not me either. Um, and everybody, I, th- I feel like rightfully so, feels like they're right there as far as who you should be taking seriously as title contenders. Uh, Clay Thompson has come back recently. I want to know what you've thought about the Warriors this year and their ability to replicate the success in the playoffs. And then we could get into the Clay Thompson of it all. Yeah, I think they're going to be the best playoff defense as long mm. as everyone is healthy and just the overall intelligence they play with. Yeah. They in Memphis are get a ton of live ball turnovers. It's just guys show up in weird areas, they pressure guys in weird ways. <laughs> they get their so many deflections and they're just smart. I mean, they're not even doing it with that conventional switching steam that they had back in the early dream on years. They're really playing him more in a conventional style, not doing nearly as much switching and then just counting on their ability to rotate on the back end. So uh, I think their defense to me, unless you're going to say that Brooklyn has all three of their guys together and they're all healthy in all seven games of a series, (laughs) the Warriors defense to me is the best playoff unit Unit. on either Mm. side of the ball. Wow, maybe Miami's defense can get there, mm. but I just I don't think they still don't have a Draymond on that team, even though they have a lot of good players. So uh, that so that's what I'd say about the Warriors, and then their offense is kind of more of a question mark to me. I'm glad you said that. Uh, I think people, you know, sharp people who's watching the league have noticed Steph's shooting dip, which again, like it's Steph, he's gonna make shots. I, I don't. I don't ever question his ability to do that, but I do think it brings a it shines a glaring light on what I think the Warriors' actual problem is, which I think was underrated in the KD years in the sense that they needed that man's on ball stuff. They got yeah. Steph, and then because the, because in the playoffs, everything basically breaks down to primal <laughs> ISO shit. It just inevitably does every fucking year we watch it happen. And they got Steph and then they got a, some guys that are decent at it. And is Steph going to be able to have enough juice on his own on the ball to puncture defenses, create help situations that makes the Warriors offense passable? 
And I hate to rain on the parade. Clay Thompson in his state right now, maybe next year by the time he's ramped up and he's gotten enough reps, he'll be like the type of guy that could do what he did in game six against the Raptors. That's not going to be there immediately. So Clay Thompson comes back. I wonder what their offense is going to be able to muster in the postseason. Because as we've seen, Nate, and you is somebody who rightfully points this out, every playoffs, the Warriors do what they do in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, it's not the same anymore. So, and what I think is just attributed to teams more tuned to their stuff and just people make them beat them one-on-one with their guys. And they haven't had those guys traditionally. So what do you think about their offense, Nate, is what I want to know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's nice to obviously have that ISO cheat code that KD gave them. I, I think, though, when when they were healthy with Steph and no KD in the playoffs back in the day, I think they were still pretty good. Even against a great, all-time great Raptors defense, they still managed to yeah. score reasonably well with Steph and Clay in that series. And that was with a bunch of bums on the wing, too, <laughs> just right. couldn't make anything. Uh, right. In that series, you know, they're uh, playing Alfonso McKinney 25 minutes a oh, game. Oh, Lord, he's not even in the and, league anymore. And, and, you know, DeMarcus and, like, Looney with a broken rib and all and all this stuff. And so and I think if Steph and Clay can make shots, the other thing, too, is there isn't really the team in the West, unless right. the Clippers somehow get healthy, that I think is going to be able to do a lot of switching. Like, I think you mm. can get Steph open from three. Now, if they force him inside the arc, his ability to finish is a question to me. I, but I think if Steph and Clay can just hit shots, uh, you know, they they beat that Houston switching defense they in, back in 2019. But, you know, those guys just maybe aren't quite the same players that they were back then. And they do have more depth now. They have more shooting now around those guys. You've got Wiggins, who is way better than anyone else that they had back then, even someone like, <laughs> Otto Porter or Jordan Poole, like they would have been fiending for someone like they would have been fiending for Damian Lee back then, who was on a two-way and was ineligible for the playoffs, just someone who could make a shot. So the hope is that those guys, a little bit of decline from three years ago, is still gonna be masked by the fact that they just have way more around them, or maybe masked by the fact that the defense is just gonna be that good. Mm. You know, and uh so I, I think just the but they're going to play some close games, and just whether they can score at the end of close games, that, to me, is going to determine whether these guys win a championship or not. All right, last thing before I get you out of here, um, I want to get your MVP, because I think we're far enough in the season. I hate when we do MVP talk way too early. Of course, as a, as a business, we kind of have to come up with shit to talk about, <laughs> and MVP is always this big, juicy steak just lying there for us. But I think we're enough into the season where we can have serious opinions about who the MVP may or may not be. Um, who's been your MVP so far this year, Nate? Well, so at the beginning of the month, Danny and I still had Steph pretty comfortably, mm. but I think he's fallen off enough now in these last two weeks that it's pretty difficult. I would probably have to go with either Jokic or Giannis. Mm. And those guys have played almost the exact same number of minutes probably would have to go with with Giannis. I think Giannis is just a little bit better of a player, more versatile. But I think you could go with either of those. Steph would probably be my number three at this point. KD in there too, although now he's going to miss the next four to six weeks. So it's kind of no reason saying him because three weeks he's from now, then he's not going to be eligible anymore. 
But yeah, I think that would be it. I, I haven't dug really deeply really into the advanced numbers yep. in the last two weeks. But I, I think those would be the two. I mean, the, what Jokic is doing, even to get them to 500 with just an is awful insane. team around him. They're, they're is terrible. completely insane. They're horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And he's carrying it's, them. It's, they're, they're, I mean, we did their game for NBA League Pass against Dallas a couple of weeks ago. And they had like 26 turnovers. And it's just <laughs> Compazzo and Rivers. And like that's just – and the – guard line just for for him to be able to carve something out good and then he's made himself into a quality regular season defensive player as well i still yeah. have issues about his defense in the playoffs but in the regular season clearly I mean, you just look at the on off numbers he's been very effective there too so yeah yeah i mean i mean it's either Jokic or Giannis. i think both those guys are neck and neck to me at this point absolutely hey nate man um thank you for doing this tell the people where they can find you you know, I'm a subscriber. As soon as you went to that paywall, I said, nah, I got to get the Dunked On podcast. <laughs> I'm a subscriber. So tell the people where they can find you, man. Yeah, well, you can follow me on Twitter at NateDuncanNBA. And probably the thing I want to push, actually, is I just started a food podcast with my sister, mm. who is a veteran of the beverage industry and the food industry in Chicago, the hospitality industry. And so we just get into some takes. We, our first few episodes, we just did the five objectively best foods. Last episode was the most overrated food. So search uh, arguing about food in your <laughs> podcast player. Sign up for that. There's also a YouTube channel by the same name as well. I love it. I love it, Nate. Thank you for coming on, man. Uh, we'll see you guys next Sunday. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.